welcome to Statements of Opinion. I'm your host, Francine Vasquez, and in this podcast, I'll be talking to you about everyday events, happenings, pet peeves, and everything under the sun in order to provide you with a fun and sometimes serious look at life. Today, I'm going to kind of talk about why I became a surgical technologist, or it'd be more accurate for me to say why I trained to become a surgical technologist. I will say that I did end up getting certified, but I never worked as a, a surge tech. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that. I might talk about the actual surgeries. So let me just give you that warning right now. If you don't like squeamish, if you get squeamish over things like surgery or blood or things like that, then this is probably not the episode for you because I'll probably be talking about some of the surgeries that I participated in and I might drop some details. So uh, just know that that's coming. So if you don't like that, then maybe skip this episode. So a few years back, I trained to become a surgical technologist and I actually earned a certification for it. I went to a two-year program at a community college, and I I went under the training, and and I did it. So let me first start. What is a surgical technologist? A surgical technologist is someone who works in an operating room who actually passes the instruments to the surgeon. That's the easiest way I can tell you what it is. Sometimes it's also called a scrub nurse. Okay. The difference is a scrub nurse is actually a nurse, but they specifically work in the operating room as that person. Um, a surgical technologist is not a nurse and only, only works as a surgical technologist. So I wasn't actually a nurse, just to clear that up. So how did I get into it? Well, that goes way back to when I joined the military. When I decided to join the military, that was back in 93, I think it was. And they, first you take this test called the ASVAB. And then you, and then it lets you kind of know what jobs you would qualify for in the military. And then for me, you know, the recruiter gave me this big book filled with jobs. And I just went through the book and I was looking at what I might be interested in. And, you know, went from there. Now, I did not become a surgical technologist or at that time in the book, it was an operating room technologist. I didn't choose that, but I saw it in the book. I read it and I was like, oh my gosh, I love that. I want to do that. That's what I want to do. But my recruiter told me at the time, which may or may not have been a lie. That's a whole nother story. (laughs) But my recruiter told me that, in order to do that, then I would have to sign up for active duty for a six-year term. Okay, um, Not to get too technical, but when you first sign up for the military, it's an eight-year term. And there are a variety of different ways that you can fulfill that eight-year term. You can do eight years active duty. You can do four years active duty and four years in the reserves. You can do eight years in the reserves or, or any other kind of multitude of combinations. 
my recruiter told me that I would have to sign up for a six-year active duty requirement in order to be a surgical technologist. And I didn't want to do that because at the time, I still wanted, I, I knew that I wanted to become a speech language pathologist. And so I wanted to go to school for that. So that was still in the back of my mind. That was my end game. So I only wanted to be in the military for a short period of time. And I didn't want to sign up for a six-year commitment, active duty. So that's why I didn't choose to, to pursue being an operating room tech at that time. But it's all, it always stayed in the back of my mind. And then, you know, I used to get these, um, fast forward to, I don't know, what was it? Uh, 10 years ago or so. And, and I always used to get these magazines from the local community college that would, you know, have all these different careers and things you could do. And surgical technologist was in it. And I read it and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm still interested in that. That would still be cool. I still like that. You know, by this time, I'm, I am a speech pathologist, but I still had that interest. So I decided to go for it one year, and I decided to go back to school. I had to take some prerequisite courses. I had to apply for that program. I got accepted. And then it was a one-year program for the actual training. So it was like two years because you have to do all those prerequisite courses, and then that one year of your actual surgical technology training. And um, it's a combination of being in the classroom and being assigned to a hospital. So it was really cool. And I remember my first day at the hospital walking in and we went up to a room and you could see through the, the, the rooms, the doors had windows in them and you could see into the operating room and, you know, there was, they were doing a, a laparoscopic procedure, which is a procedure that has a scope and they make little incisions in your body and they put a scope in um, to see what they're doing. So it's minimally invasive so that they don't have to cut you open. You know, healing times are shorter when they can do a laparoscopic procedure. And we could see the monitors through the, through the window and, and it was just like, wow. They are actually doing surgery right now. <laughs> it, was, it was really amazing. And then we went in to the rooms to observe first. And, and I just remember feeling like, wow, this is really, really cool. I mean, I think that you'll figure out if that's something for you or not pretty quickly. Because you're going to go in and you're going you're gonna to have all the sights, sounds, and smells. And, and I have to tell you something. You know, you're going to smell things like you're going to smell blood. There's a lot of it. It's an operating room. Okay? People's bodies are open. You can see inside, you know. There's blood. There's organs. There's tissue. You know, human tissue. There's cauterization. There's something called a bovi, which is like an electric knife, and it cauterizes as it cuts. And that is a very distinctive smell. You will never forget what that smells like. But anyway, you know, I did not shy away from it. Uh, I didn't get queasy. One time, the first time that I got suited up, I did get lightheaded. Now, I did eat. But I guess I didn't eat enough. So you're supposed to eat before you go. So because you're, 
you're getting gowned up. You're wearing a gown on top of your regular scrub clothes and you've got gloves on and in my hospital we were double gloved and the lights are on you in the operating room because you're standing right there and it's a close proximity. Everybody is standing pretty much elbow to elbow. And so I started to get lightheaded. I almost passed out. Not because of, I think I had a lot of adrenaline going. I didn't eat enough. My blood sugar probably dropped a little bit, but you know, I had, I stepped away. I didn't pass out. I stepped away. They got me some juice and stuff. And then I recovered and I came right back and I never regretted it. And that was the first, I think the first day that I suited up. But anyway, being a surgical technologist was really, really cool or, or training to become one. Through training, I participated in 155 surgeries, 155 surgeries. Most of them, I served as the first technologist. So usually... When you're training, so when you're training, you have a preceptor. So it's you and it's the surgical technologist, okay? They don't leave you in there alone. At first, they are the first and you're assisting them. You know, you're helping them. Maybe they might let you get in there a little bit to, to pass a few instruments or, or, or needles or whatever. But you are assisting and they are the first. And eventually, as your training goes, you become the main um, surge tech, and then they s- assist you. So they'll be there right next to you um, and ready to jump in if anything goes wrong. But you're basically handing out the the instruments, you know. So in order to be a surge tech, there's a lot of things you have to know. So you have to know what the instruments are. And there are a ton of instruments, and there's different instruments for different types of surgeries. So if you're doing a gallbladder surgery, you have one set of instruments. And if you're doing a, um, a colon resection, there's another set of instruments. And if you're doing an appendectomy, that's another set of instruments. So every surgery has specific instruments for that surgery, and you have to know what they all are. You have to know what they are. Because you don't have time when you're standing there to look in a book and say, oh, what is this piece? What is this instrument? What is that instrument? No, you have to know it. So that's a, a big part of the training is learning all of the different instruments, what they are and how you use them, you know, what a hemostat is. I know if you've ever watched ER or if you've ever watched Grey's Anatomy, you've probably heard them say, hey, I need a hemostat. That's one of the most popular things you'll hear them say. They might say scissors, they might say mets, they might say a knife or a scalpel. Usually you'll hear in the movies say scalpel. In the surgeries I was in, they didn't say scalpel. They asked for a knife. <laughs> but, you know, it, it depends. So um, what I was in charge of is the instruments, okay? I had to know what the instruments are so that I could pass them when necessary. I had to keep count of the sponges. There are sponges that you use to, you know, wipe up mess, to if there's bleeding inside the body, you know, to kind of pack it or whatever, to stop the bleeding, you know, things like that. So you have to keep count. 
of those sponges because they're going in the body and you don't want to leave any of them out. So you have to keep count of your instruments, but you have to keep count of the sponges. And that can get difficult, especially if there's a lot of bleeding in that particular surgery. That's when you have a lot of sponges and it's really, really important that you count. So we count several times throughout the surgery. You will count during the surgery. You will count after the surgery. You count and you count everything before you even start the surgery, okay? Count everything on your table. You have an operating room nurse who is the circulator who kind of helps you. She doesn't get sterilized and wear the gown because she's the one who's going to um, re- help you replace things if something falls or get the medications if you need it. There has to be someone who can circulate um, and, and, and doesn't and isn't sterile, because when you're sterile, you really cannot move from your position. You have to stay where you are and limit your movements, because sterility is very important. Um, It's taken very seriously. But anyway, you have to keep count of everything. You have to, sometimes they'll pass a specimen off to you, which means, you know, a specimen could be anything from a little piece of tissue, or it could be a body part, honestly, um, depending on the type of surgery you're doing. You know, it could be a gallbladder full of gallstones. That was very unique. I got to tell you, it was like somebody had passed me a bag of marbles. That was crazy. Some, somebody had a, a gallbladder that was completely full of gallstones. But, um, and that surgery was called a, a cholecystectomy. Or it was actually a lap coli because it was done laparoscopically. Um, and that's the other thing. You have to know the body parts. And you have to know what they're called. And you have to know what the surgeries are called. And you learn all of that medical terminology in your, in your training, in your, in your classes, um, before you even get into the operating room. So you kind of know what all of that stuff is. It's been so long now that I don't really remember it. If I was going to try to be a surgical technologist, I would have to go back to school again to to do it. Uh, it would be worth it. But at the time, the main reason why, well, I'm kind of jumping ahead. So I'm responsible for counting everything. Everything had to be counted. Everything has to be taken care of. I have to give the sutures or the needles with the thread to the surgeons. So you have to know what kind of needle you're using and what kind of thread you're using. There's different ones for different things. There's needles. The thicker the needle is usually used for inside the body and the thicker thread, you know, for for inside layers and um, stitching up those types of things, organs and things, and the thinnest needles and the thinnest thread is usually used for skin. So you have to know which type you're using. Some surgeons like certain types, and so you're preparing that ahead of time so that you have it ready for you and for that surgery. Certain um, types of surgery require certain types of needles and thread, so you have to keep track of the needles and keep track of that. So that those aren't left in the body either because they're small and they could be, and you could lose them. And you also don't want to get stuck. So you have to be very careful with that because if you get stuck, you know, then you're dealing with biohazards. And you don't want that to happen either. Um, and you're 
in control of fluids that they use for flushing, like saline solution. You're in charge of um, giving the surgeon a needle if they're going to use it to um, inject some kind of medication. Usually they use uh, an anesthetic when they first start to kind of control the bleeding at the site that they're going to uh, go ahead and, and start cutting at in the first incision. And so there's a lot you have to be in control of as a surgical technologist. Now, I was also, like I said, I was in 155 different surgeries, um, and that's a lot. But the type of surgeries you see just depends on the hospital, because not every hospital does every surgery. If you're not a trauma hospital, you're not going to be seeing that. And, And basically, we weren't in the emergency room either just to be clear we weren't down there you know catching the traumas that came in um these were all scheduled surgeries so you know we knew ahead of time what was what we were going to be working on like i mentioned i've been in gallbladder surgeries gallbladder removals um i've been in surgeries where they were working on the colon, um, where they were working on the spleen, where they were working on the uterus. I've seen uh, operations where they were working on venous procedures. I've seen orthopedic procedures that have to do with the feet. I have to. I, I, I've seen couple eye surgeries, cataract surgeries. I didn't participate in that, but I was able to observe those. And I was in a couple of um, C-sections. So I was, I participated in, in the delivery of some babies, you know, and that was the coolest thing ever. I think I did two or three of those. And it it's amazing. They were, they were scheduled C-sections, so they weren't, you know, emergencies. So nothing was was going wrong and the babies were totally healthy when they were born but it was just amazing to see probably just as amazing if you got to see a natural birth but you know I didn't I didn't ever get to see that but that's not an opera uh, a surgical procedure so all I can say is that that was probably the best surgery I participated in it was just absolutely amazing so just to wrap up I didn't pursue that field or I didn't become a surgical technologist officially. Like I, I mean, like I said earlier, I, I was certified as a surgical technologist. So technically, yes, I was a surgical technologist, but I never worked as one. And that's because it is very difficult to find a job when you are brand new. Most hospitals want someone who has experience. So it's really hard when you're a beginning technologist to get your foot in the door. And I had a very short window of time to find a job. I'm sure that if I had more time, I would have eventually gotten a job in the field. But literally, I had maybe a month to job search, which wasn't enough. If I had six months, then I could have probably found a job. And I would maybe be one still today. But unfortunately, I didn't have that kind of time frame because I was living on my own and I had to, you know, I had to pay rent. 
<laughs> you know? So I didn't get a job in the time frame that I was able to look. And so I had to go back into speech pathology, which I'm not upset about that because I, I love doing that. But that's the reason why I didn't pursue surgical technology. I don't feel like I wasted my time. I don't feel like that's money down the drain or I wasted it and I never got it because, like I said, I did participate in surgeries and I was acting as a surgical technologist in in that position and, and those were amazing experiences. So I don't regret it. I'm glad I did it. Um, And I would do everything again the same way if I had to do it over again. So let me know what you think about that. And you know what? Let me know if you want to hear a little more specifics about the surgeries. And I can do a follow-up and I'll talk a little more about some of the the surgeries that I I um, participated in um, and and the procedures and, and get a little more detail than that. Okay? So drop a comment. Let me know. And we can go from there. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any new content. And I will talk to you again soon.